Hey, how many of you are starting the year? I'm going to ask for a show of hands, okay? So just this is a safe space. How many are starting year with some type of New Year's resolution? Raise your hand. Raise them up high. Be proud. I mean, you can't, you're going to fail on day five if you can't do this, all right? Some kind of resolution. All right, some of you are liars today because 60% of us are going to start the year with a New Year's resolution, and that was about 25%, right? So for the rest of you who didn't raise your hand, you're already off to a rough start with your resolution. Um, I do have some bad news for you, though. Only about 8% of people who start the year with a New Year's resolution will actually succeed in achieving their resolution, all right? Only about 8% of us will actually achieve a resolution. Matter of fact, Strava, anybody familiar with Strava? Um, the bikers in the house today are familiar with Strava. Strava did this cool thing last year. They actually took record of people's New Year's resolutions. We are so bad at keeping New Year's resolutions. The actual day that most people fail, self-report, failing their New Year's resolution for the first time is January 12th. So if you've had a New Year's resolution, congratulations, we're halfway there, only a few days left, and we can all go back to, you know, New Year, same old me kind of thing, right? Um, last year, I, I feel like I, I'm, a, I'm a New Year's resolution failure, okay, so I'll just put that out there. Um, and last year, I kind of felt like I don't really want to make a New Year's resolution because they always fail, they don't work, I knew this. But then I was like, but if you don't make a New Year's resolution, you're not really being like, you know, self-reflective enough, you're not really, you know, thinking. So I came up with this idea, I'm just going to write down like four words that are going to be my theme for the year. Anybody ever done the word thing? chicken out, right? With me, it's so squishy and soft. You never know if you do it or not, but you got the words down. On October 15th, I found this piece of paper crumpled up in my desk drawer with my words on it from the year. So I obviously took it very seriously. I had intentional. I wanted to be more intentional. I had fun. We wanted to have more fun together as a family. We wanted to have some new experiences together as a family. And then I had expand and grow which, I mean, I did, but I don't think in the way that I had <laughs> planned, right? I don't think when I wrote that down, I was thinking about Wright's Barbecue and like fork and crust, but that's what, that's what happened, right? I hope that you are starting this year with some type of self-reflection. And I hope that you're doing that more deeply than like, hey, I'd like to lose seven pounds or cut out the carbs this year. I hope you're thinking about some big questions. And this is the time of year where we do this. Big questions like, am I really happy with the direction that my life is going? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Am I happy with how I'm spending my time and my days and my energy? Do we feel good about the direction this thing is going? Um, there's a poem that I, I heard, first heard this line from a year ago, and the poem's actually weird. It's by Mary Oliver, and the, the poem is called Summer's Day. It's actually really weird. It's a poem about a grasshopper. But at the end of the poem, there's the last line of this poem that's actually pretty powerful, and the poem ends like this. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? I just got heavy, didn't it? I mean, you were like, hey, yeah, I just want to lose seven pounds. And now we're going into the deep end of the pool. And it's like, we're going to talk about what are you doing with your one shot? And this is 
confirmed by the Bible. It says our life is a vapor. It's a mist. And how are you going to spend that one wild and precious life? And so if you are beginning your year with some deep reflection, I want you to know that you're in the right place for the next few weeks. Because for the next four weeks, we're going to get way deeper than some dietary changes and a a gym membership. We're going to think about and try to get to a place of clarity from a biblical perspective of what our purpose and our mission is in life. And we want to start 2020. We want to start this year. We want to start this decade in a place where we have certainty clarity and passion about our purpose. And then we want to see that come through every area, every part of our life. That's what we're going to be doing together for the next four weeks. So I want to encourage you, here's a plan for how you can maximize this. Number one, be here for the next four weeks. Number two, like Wade talked about a couple minutes ago, there is more to process in the book of Colossians, which is what we're going to be reading together for the next four weeks, than you can really process in a room in in 35 minutes of a talk, four weeks. There's more there. So you need to be with a group of people who you are dealing with these big picture questions together. And if you're not in a communitas group, or a small group of some form, I just want to tell you this is the time, this is the year to start that so that this can go deep, deep down into your life. And then the last thing I'll say is a lot of us start a new year with new motivation to get into God's word and to read God's word. And I just encourage you, if you're starting that this year, and that's a great thing to start, maybe you should start with Colossians to just read along, read chapter one this week, every day. It takes about five minutes to read, seven minutes to read the entire book of Colossians. Um, Sometimes, you know, I have a pretty short commute to work. I'll I'll turn on my Bible app and I'll just plug it into the car and I'll just listen to scripture being read to me as I drive to work. I, I want to encourage you, get in God's word, get in the book of Colossians. And if you have your Bibles or your apps, you can take them out right now and open up to the book of Colossians. It's in the New Testament. But I, I just encourage you, journey with us here. So here's what we're going to do. Today we're going to start with what I hope to be a very real, a very honest talk about our purpose And what we want to bring to you today is kind of a new idea about your purpose in life that it can simultaneously be very simple, but also massive and powerful. And we want everyone in this room, when you leave here today, to be able to clearly articulate, if anybody were to ask you, do you know what your purpose in life is? You can say in one simple sentence, yes, I absolutely know with certainty this is what my life is about. Because it's not actually that complicated. That's the first thing we're going to just blow up, is that your purpose is not that complicated. It's not that hard to find. It's accessible to all of us. And our prayer is that over the next few weeks, our idea of purpose and calling gets clarified in your life. And that big, double-wide open doors um, just are opened in your mind and in your heart for how you can live out your purpose every day. Does that sound like a plan? All right, it doesn't matter, that is the plan, so we're in. That was a rhetorical question. Colossians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles open, we're going to read two sections of this scripture today, and I'm going to start with a passage that I have a ton of passion for in my life, but that <coughs> in recent times has been kind of new and awakened in my mind, and it's Colossians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 9. Let me give you a little background before we do. Colossae is a real town in a real place in Turkey. This place actually exists, okay? Paul is the author of this book. 
Paul had never actually been there, but Paul had started a church, and then some guy from the church that Paul started went to a neighboring town, a neighboring city, which is the city of Colossae, and he started the church. And then what was happening in in Colossae at the time is there was a lot of questions about who Jesus is. Some people really thought maybe Jesus is just kind of like some tricked out super angel that came down to earth. Maybe he's not really God. Maybe he's just a man. Maybe he's just a spirit. There was just a lot of questions. And so Paul, the the guy who started the church in Colossae, comes to Paul while he's in Rome in prison. And he tells him, hey, the people at this church are really confused about Jesus. There's a lot of other teachings about who Jesus is. Does this sound familiar, by the way? A lot of confusion about who Jesus is. Like maybe he's not actually God or maybe he wasn't even real. And so Paul pins this short letter. And and the whole point of this letter is Paul just draws a line in the sand and says, this is who Jesus is. And if this is who Jesus is, then he spends like three chapters just working out. What does that mean for you as a person? What does that mean about how you should do life? What does that mean about how we should live and interact with the world? So that's the point of the book of Colossians. So we're going to start in chapter 1, and we're going to go straight to the deep end of the pool here in just a minute theologically. But let's just start. He begins with a prayer for them. Like he begins so many of his writings, he says, hey, I just want you to know this is what I'm praying for you. So here's what he's praying, Colossians 1, 9. Now we'll read together. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you to ask, and I just want you to underline this phrase, to ask that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, he's saying, I, I pray every day. I have not stopped praying that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And then he says, so that, so now we're going to see what happens when we're filled with the knowledge of God's will. You will walk, verse 10, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with power according to his glorious might for the attaining of steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Can I just start with this? Knowing God's will for your life is possible. God is a good father. And what he wants more than anything is for you to know with certainty and with clarity what his will for your life is. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9, for this reason, since we've heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. And that word filled is really important because that word means exactly what that picture shows. It shows a cup that is being so full of water that it's just overflowing the brim. It's running out. It's running over. And that's the idea of filled that you would actually, it's actually a term. I love this because I think it's related to fishing. It's about cramming a net full to capacity is the word there. And he wants you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. (coughs) Excuse me. Anybody familiar with these two books? Um, how many of you, if you've been around old, like old school church person, how many of you have either read Purpose Driven Life or there's a new version of that? Um, what, what in the world are you here for? Or how many of you have done Experiencing God? Can I get another show of hands of this? Yeah, almost all of us, right? 
incredible books, Purpose Driven Life, over 90 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Over 32 million copies of that book have been sold. Experiencing God has been around for like 30 years, um, done this forever as churches. And, And I just, these two books show to us that, you know, we have a purpose deficit in our culture today. For decades, we have been basically taught that life came about as some type of accident and it's carried on only by the processes of evolution. And so as a, as a society, we're struggling to really attach meaning to life because it seems accidental, pointless, and meaningless. Um, the psychologist Victor Frankl calls this um, an existential crisis. Um, there are the existential vacuum that we live in as a culture. I just want you to know, while these are incredibly good, great resources. Um, and by the way, when we do these things, if you're a small group leader and like nobody's shown up for your small group for like the last six weeks, all you have to do is say, hey guys, we're going to do, we're going to be doing experiencing God. It's 13 weeks long. It requires one hour of homework every day. And you will have 40 people sign up for your small group because they won't come for half the year. But if you're going to help them find God's will in their life, they're so much, so desperate. Like suddenly I'm going to go 13 hours a week. I'm in for, for experiencing God because I need to know God's purpose in my life. And I want you to know what, that's a great tool. I love experiencing God. Life changed by experiencing God. It doesn't take you an hour a day for 13 weeks. It doesn't take reading purpose-driven life. Thank you, sir. For you to understand what your purpose in life is. It is accessible, it is available, and it's knowable. The second thing I want you to know is knowing God's will for your life is powerful. This is the most powerful piece of knowledge, the most powerful thing that you can have in your life. Look at how Paul describes this, these people, what he's praying for them in verse 10. Colossians 1, verse 10, I've prayed that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, verse 10, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, so that you would please him in every respect, so that you would bear fruit so that in, in every good work that you would increase in the knowledge of God so that you would be strengthened with power according to his might for the attaining of steadfastness, patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father. How's that for a New Year's resolution? Hey, what's your resolution this year? Oh, you know, my goal mainly, I mean, I just want to live my life in a way that is worthy of the God of the universe. I want to please God in everything I do. I want the actions that I take, the words that I speak every day to bear some kind of fruit, to matter for eternity, to be bigger than my life. I want to do things that last for forever. I want to know God more. When I know God more, I want to be strengthened with power because the God of all eternity is inside of me, giving me endurance, patience, joy. That's a lot bigger than trying to lose seven pounds. It's a lot more important than trying to cut the carbs or be more intentional or whatever other things we try to put in those boxes every year. We got to get this right. Knowing God's will for your life is possible. Knowing God's will for your life is powerful. All right, let's get to the cut of it. Knowing God's will for your life is actually pretty simple. Knowing God's will for your life is actually pretty simple. Not easy, but it's not complicated. 
Let's move to the next section of chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 13. He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. And now he's just going to talk about Jesus for a minute. All right. So can we start our year just talking about Jesus for a minute? It's in him. It's in Jesus that we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible, invisible, rulers, thrones, dominions, authorities, all things. Can you say that with me? All things. All things were created by him. And he is, that is Jesus, verse 17, Jesus is before all things, and in him he's holding together all the things, all things hold together, and he's the head of the body of the church. Let me tell you something, Mike McDaniel, Wade Bryant, Andrew, none of these guys are the head of Grace Point Church, right? Jesus, this church is about Jesus. This church isn't about the name of Grace Point Church. This church isn't about this building. This church isn't about a person or an ego or a thing. This church is about Jesus. He's the head of this church. He is the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. Can we just say that word together? Everything? Everything. Everything. And if you're a Bible highlighter, underliner, I would just underlight that deal. First place in everything. That's what Jesus wants and inside this amazing passage about who Jesus is, our purpose begins to pop out and become really, really clear for us. Jesus is the image of God. Jesus was there at creation. It actually happened by him. He was the word of God speaking creation into existence. Everything was created through Jesus and not just through him. It was created for Jesus and he's holding it all together. The, the breath in your lungs, the beat of your heart by this, in this moment, that's happening because of Jesus. It's by Jesus. It's for Jesus. It's through Jesus. It's all about him. And so we see two things. First of all, we are here because Jesus made made us and we are here for Jesus. All things are for him and he wants first place in everything. And the second thing we see is that um, Jesus wants supremacy in everything. And that leads us to like, look, I'm not super complicated guy. I'm pretty simple. Okay. So if I'm going to take these verses, I'm going to say everything's for Jesus and it's about Jesus and he wants first place, then what I see here is our purpose is real simple. Our purpose, your purpose, is to know Jesus and make him known. Now, that's not new, right? There's like little bumper stickers that say that. That's been around for forever. But if I were to take everything that we talk about as a church here, you know, the purposes of worship and community and mission, and I take our, our definition of discipleship, which I, I, I can't never get exactly right, but fully obedient multipliers following Jesus or whatever that is, you know what those are? Those are like educated people saying, you exist and we exist to know Jesus and make Jesus known. And I can remember know Jesus and make him known. Can you remember that? So that's your purpose. Now, here's the problem for us, okay? For some of you, you're like, hey, Brett, that's great. 
That is a very spiritual answer to what my purpose is. But like, I've got a burning question that I need answered about my life. And I was hoping for something a little bit more specific, right? When you are going to talk about what my purpose and calling is, I was really hoping that you would give me clarity about what job I should take or maybe who I should date or who I should marry, maybe what school I should be going to in the fall. I, I, I was hoping for some clarity on, you know, what kind of car we should buy or what kind of house we could live in. I got big time decisions to make and knowing Jesus and making him known feels nice, but that doesn't help me understand my purpose. And I just want to tell you that that's part of our problem for us is most of us approach God's purpose for our life focused on what questions. And when I talk about what questions, I'm talking about questions about vocation, location, relation, and accounting. I couldn't find another (laughs) shot. Compensation. Where was that three days ago? (laughs) Most of us, when we think about God's will in our life, we're just exchanging logistical questions with God. Hey, This is how this comes to life in our life. Job opportunity comes to you, chance to move to Cincinnati. You're like, oh man, I wonder, is that God's will for us? You haven't thought much about God's will at all in your life. And you're like, oh, does God want us to move to Cincinnati or not? I just, I just got to know. And so maybe you schedule an appointment with a pastor and like, well, we're thinking this and you do the pros and cons list. Maybe you, you, you in a small group, you're asking people, just pray for us. We got a big decision to make. I don't know if we should move to Cincinnati or not. You start searching the scriptures. You cannot find the word Cincinnati in the Bible at all. And so you're like, I don't know. I'm just not sure. And if God were to just mail you a letter that says, hey, move to Cincinnati, and you get the GPS coordinates fixed and you move along with your life. Have you really found God's will? God's will for you is bigger than a vocation, a location. It's bigger than a relationship. It's bigger than your salary and your accounting practices in your house. His will is for you to have meaning. And meaning's not found in Cincinnati. There's a lot of stuff not found in Cincinnati, right? <laughs> but not meaning. The last major decision I had in my career, it's almost comical as I've thought about it. Um, I was at a company called Hillshire Brands. I was selling hot dogs. And my old boss came and hired me to sell goldfish. And like, um, I mean, (laughs) it's sexy, I know. Not everybody can have that kind of stuff, right? I mean, And I just think, you know what? You think God has that much care about whether or not I sell hot dogs or goldfish? Or is there something much, much bigger that he wants from me? And so maybe we need to transition from what questions about God's will to some why questions. See, what's our logistical? Vocation, location, relation, accounting, why questions are big time. What's my purpose? When we get the why settled, we have a purpose. What's my mission? Your mission is not your vocation. Even Mike, he works at a church. That's not his mission. 
right? His mission is even bigger than that. Your mission is about knowing God and making God known. Why questions give us meaning, not just relationships, they give us values. The why questions are much bigger. So um, I, I want to think about this through the lens of, uh, some of you are probably familiar, if, you've, if you're in the business world, you read business books, you listen to TED Talks, you've heard of Simon Sinek. And he does a lot of stuff about the why, understanding the why. And he, he has this idea that most companies understand what they do, right? Like we make water. And so we put it in water bottles and we go, right? Very few companies understand why they do what they do. And I think this is true of us as people and, and as well. A lot of us have a pretty clear understanding of like what we need to do every single day. We have an agenda. We have a calendar. We have a job. We have a role that we need to fulfill in some way. We have classes we need to go to. But do we really understand the why? And it's such a bigger picture. And even the way we talk about God's will is usually we talk about what? When I think of God's will, the first thing that comes to my mind because of how I was brought up was a, a target. Can you guys go ahead to the target slides real quick? Like an archery target. Because if, you're, um, if you've been around church, you've heard people talk about, we just want to be in God's will. We want to be in the center of God's will. So I'm like, man, I got to really line everything up to try to be into the center of what God wants me to do. And so then all of a sudden these hot dog versus cracker questions become like paralyzing. Cincinnati versus Columbus. And it's like, I mean, are they, they're the same thing. And so what we're wanting to do over the next four weeks and what we're seeing today is when my purpose is to know him and make him known, I'm not primarily focused on what questions. Every day when I wake up, no matter what I have to do in front of me that day, I have a why. There is breath in my lungs, there is energy in my body so that I can know Jesus and make him known. And here's what's going to happen over the next few weeks. We're going to look at the why today, right? Know Jesus and make him known. Next week, Mike's going to talk about the who. Once we understand our relationship with Jesus and the purpose he's given us, that transforms who we are. Then we're going to get to the what's in the house. And those are going to be a lot broader than they are if we're only focused on this little center target. We're going to make those doors double wide and they're going to be open. And we're going to have freedom and confidence and clarity together as a church. But I just want to, I just, we have to start with this. There is no what that is big enough to fulfill your purpose. You look at my job and you laugh like, yeah, nobody can be fulfilled selling crackers. Right? I get it. And you're right. Okay. But if you're a pastor, if you're a teacher, if you're a coach, if you're a social worker, if you're a missionary, and your life is about that what, and you miss the point of the why, that job is not big enough to fulfill your purpose. And I also want to say this. There's no job too small for this purpose to fulfill. When most of us tomorrow morning, except for kids who aren't going back to school for some ungodly reason, right? yesterday, Rachel literally threatened our kids to send them to school on Monday, even though it's not open. (laughs) So that's how it's been at the Ferguson house the last few days. Most of us are going to get up and you're going to go to a job that right now you've never really thought of, you know, we're going to go focus on selling products like crackers and hot dogs, 
drawing buildings, moving trucks around, logistics, retail, educators. We're going to go into all these jobs, and a lot of us have never thought about, hey, this job isn't too small for this huge purpose of knowing God and making him known to fuel what I do every single day. You have a purpose that's bigger than your vocation and your location. All right, I want to end with this. Knowing God's will for your life is possible. Knowing God's will for your life is powerful. Knowing God's will for your life is simple. Can you say it with me? What is God's will for your life? To know him and make him known. All right, I'm going to be back here in like two weeks. I hope that we can remember that. Let's say it together again to know Jesus and make Jesus known. But let me tell you something, that purpose is personal. That requires something extremely personal to happen in your life. You don't get on board with God's mission. I want to say this real clear in the South, okay, in the Bible Belt. Showing up to this building every week is not getting on boards with God's mission in and of itself, That's not what we're about here, right? We are about, we come to this building as a part of that mission because there is a personal relationship with Jesus that is fueling what we do. Colossians chapter one, let's look in verse 19. For it was the father's good pleasure for all the fullness, that is the fullness of God to dwell, in, to dwell in Jesus. So let me just translate that for one second. What he's saying is Jesus is fully God, period. That's non-negotiable. It's who he is. He's not just a good teacher. He's not some souped up super angel. He, he did exist. He's a real person and he was fully God. And through Jesus to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And then look at this description of us, verse 21. You were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaging in evil deeds. Let me tell you something, on your own, Apart from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, not only are you not knowing Jesus and making Jesus known, you're actually hostile to that mission. It's a strong word, right? We're actually against that mission when we're on our own apart from Jesus. There's good news, verse 22, yet Jesus reconciled you in his fleshly body, that is on the cross when he was crucified in death, in order to present you before him holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Some of you, before you can get clarity on your purpose and on your mission in life, you need to have a personal relationship with God that begins today. And maybe there's never been a time, a place, a reference point in your life where you know, hey, I went from hostile to on mission I changed from darkness into light. I stepped out of my old life and I stepped into a new life. Today's the day where you need to begin that in order to begin walking and fulfilling and having clarity about your mission in life. 
So here we go. You got to stay with us for the next four weeks because this is going to make more sense because I know some of you were like disappointed we didn't get to the specifics. We're going to get to more specifics about like knowing God's will for your life, but it's going to be freeing. I can tell you that. It's going to take a weight off of you and it's going to be fueled by our passion to know him and make him known. Let's pray together. I want you to ask yourself one question this morning. Are you filled with the knowledge of God's will for your life? Is it overflowing inside of you? When you wake up every day, do you know with certainty, not a job or a role or a vocation, but do you know exactly why you exist? It's to know Jesus and make him known. We're going to solidify this today by taking communion together as a church. Because really, that's where this starts and this begins, is with that personal relationship with God. We don't have that. We can't go to step two and step three. We can't get on board with the mission. We have to have a personal relationship with God. And a lot of us today have that relationship with God. And so we're just going to begin our year. We're going to begin our decade, we're going to begin having clarity about our purpose by actually physically taking the bread and the juice as a remembrance that, hey, it's all about Jesus. And so in a few moments, the band's going to play and, and you're going to have an opportunity on your own to come to some of these stations. There's some in the back and there's some in the front. And you're going to take piece of bread and a juice. If you have had a time, place, a reference point, if you know, hey, I am a follower of Jesus, this is for you. And, and so you can have a moment, grab your bread and juice. I want you to go back to your seat. And before you actually take the bread and juice, which you will do on your own when you are ready, I want you to just maybe take a minute and say, God, as we start this year, I want to do two things in this time. I want to reflect on number one, it's all about you. You broke your body for me. You died on the cross for me. My life's about you. And maybe take the first step in having some clarity by just saying, I want this year more than any year I've ever had to be about knowing you and making you know. And maybe you don't have that time, place, reference point. I'm going to be sitting right down in the front next to Mike right over here. Maybe you need to begin today, before you go to the communion, you need to say, hey, wait a second. I need to begin that relationship with Jesus. I've never done that. I want to get on board what my mission for my life is because it's powerful. But I have to start by beginning a relationship with Jesus. Mike and I will be down here in the front on the right-hand side. God, we give this time to you. We want to begin our year focused on you. It's all about you. You want to have first place in everything. We want to give you first place in everything in our lives. And as we take communion this morning, God, we recognize our lives are yours. And we want this year to be about knowing you and making you known. It's in your name I pray.